Imagine what it would be like to go from everything being totally normal one day to finding out through a voicemail the next day that your child has cancer and needs to be seen by an oncologist immediately. That's just the beginning of my friend Amanda Smith's story, and today she has graciously agreed to share her family's story of her seven-year-old daughter Lyndon's diagnosis and six rounds of chemo that started only a few months ago. The most remarkable part of this story is that Lyndon and her family have raised over $40,000 for the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation, all because Lyndon asked her mom if she'd donate to the Ronald McDonald box every time she went through the drive-thru at McDonald's after Lyndon was diagnosed. Lyndon also has a remarkable story of chopping off and donating her hair to Crowns for Courage a year before she ever knew she would need the same donation herself. Their story is incredibly inspiring, heartwarming, and so perfect to lead us into the holiday season where everyone's hearts tend to be a little more open to giving. If this episode touches your heart like it did mine, I would love for you to share a screenshot of it to your Instagram stories and make sure you tag me at Mint Arrow so I can see it and share it too. You can also go to our show notes and find links to donate to the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation and buy one of Lyndon's Lotus bracelets to help her raise even more money for childhood cancer research. All right, you guys, tonight I have a special friend on the podcast with me, and she's going to share just a really tender, sweet story with us, and I'm so excited to hear from her. This is a story that's become very near and dear to my family and to my heart, and so I'm just so excited and grateful to have Amanda here with me. Amanda, say hi. Hi. Um, Amanda, I know Amanda from church. She's She and I go to church together, and her sweet little daughter, Lyndon, was diagnosed with cancer earlier this year and she is Annabelle's age so they are in the same little primary class together in church and we've just watched their family go through this really just crazy crazy journey and um and it's just a really important message for people to learn about and to understand um childhood cancer and kind of debunk some of the myths and just talk about what they've experienced. So I'm just grateful that she's here tonight and willing to share her story. So um, Amanda, tell me, before we get into Lyndon's story, tell me just a little bit about where you're from and how, you know, just the background, like you and your husband and how many kids you have and all of that. So we've been in Southern California for about 10 years now. We got married nine years ago. And um, before that, I lived in Minnesota. I've lived in Utah and Idaho. Okay. And he's originally from New Jersey, but he's been in California for like 20 years, like forever. Yeah. So so we moved um, more South Orange County and have been here since right before Lyndon was born. We moved down here just to have more of like a family feel. Yeah. So we've been here and and you guys now have three we have three kids. adorable yes. kids so we have Lyndon who is seven mm-hmm. and then Ledger is almost six and then Pearson is 10 months he's so sweet too yeah, he's just really the sweet. sweetest little baby yes. so that's awesome so you guys have been um and you've been in our area for when did you move in so we moved in in June, mid-June. Okay. So it was just a few months ago and we were kind of all over South Orange County. We were trying to figure out exactly where we wanted to be and what we, we had some kind of weird things happen with um, buying a house and selling a house and then buying another house and then selling it and just feeling like we didn't know exactly where we needed to be. But we felt, we just kept having these impressions like you need to go here. And we didn't know why and it didn't make sense. And 
And then we were renting a place to just kind of figure out where we wanted to be. And we just had this really, really strong impression we needed to come further south. And so we moved here like three weeks before she was diagnosed. And then everything that's happened since then, we just felt like this is exactly where we were supposed to be during this time. And we feel like the Lord just kind of had his hand in all of that, like every step of the way and all the moves that didn't make sense for so long. Now we're like, oh my gosh, this is why we went through all that and why we're here right now. Yeah, that's crazy. So tell me about, um, if you don't mind, I know it's probably kind of like a tender thing, but tell me about what that was like when and how that all came about, because I'm sure people have asked you, how did you even know? I mean, with something like so little and silly that I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but people keep like texting me once a week saying, how did you know that Annabelle had an app, like had appendicitis? And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> just because right. this is what happened to her isn't what happens to everybody. But I'm sure people ask you over yep. and over, how did you even know she had cancer? Right. So, so she had, it was probably the end of May, beginning of June, like right before school got out, she I just remember she ran in my bedroom. She's like, mom, I have my first pimple. And I'm like, what? So she shows me on her back. She has what looked like a little white head. And Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I wanted to like pop it, but I didn't. But we just kind of left it alone. And and then over the next like week or two, and she'd gotten out of school, it just progressively got worse. And so she was at... uh, hero camp uh, that's kind of done through the church. And she was at that camp staying with my mother-in-law and mm-hmm. it, I checked on it and it looked like it was, it was really, um, it was really kind of scary looking. So I thought, oh, we should probably take her in. And it just was this like pimple that just, it was like a red mark that wasn't getting better, you know? Yeah. And so we took her in to, a do- we're with Kaiser. So we took her with to just a doctor that was close to her house down there. And they looked at it and they said, we think it's an infected hair follicle. Mm. So they put her on some antibiotics and that was it. And so two days later, we were, she had been doing these antibiotics. She was taking an oral and, an, and a topical one. And then two days later, um, it wasn't getting better and she was taking a bath and we noticed that her groin was swollen. And mm. I'm like, what does, what even is that? So I Google, you know, like swollen groin and, yeah. and children. And it started talking about lymphoma and lymph nodes and cancer. And I'm like, okay, there's no way, this is why they tell you not, not to, to Google. Google things. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm, because I was like, okay, there's no way she has cancer, yeah. but I was, was worried. So the very next morning we took her in and this was like eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, cause she had just gotten home from that camp. And so the very next morning I took her in right away to urgent care. And the, the doctor there seemed a little like pretty concerned about the lymph nodes. Uh, or we didn't know if that's what it was at that, that point, but she seemed concerned about the swollen groin. So they did a bunch of blood work and then they sent us for an ultrasound and um, the ultrasound confirmed that it was swollen lymph nodes, but Mm -hmm. they said that could be reactive to the thing that's going on on her back and we don't know what's going on on her back. And so then we went to, it was just like a whole bunch of just going to a doctor, going to a dermatologist, going different places. So we ended up going into the dermatologist and they said, oh, this is a pyogenic granuloma, which is basically a benign growth. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're just going to cut it off and and that's it. And so 
So they cut it off and we Mm. went home and they had ran some more blood work and they were testing for basically everything, like even a cat scratch disease or something like that, which I don't even know what that is, but they, they were testing for everything. And then they gave us a call and they said, all the blood work came back good. Everything's Mm. good. So I just kind of forgot about it. And then um, about a week and a half, two weeks later, we were just out at this trampoline park and Mm -hmm. I got a phone call and it was really noisy in there and I was feeding the baby. So I just kind of ignored it. And then I saw that I had a big long voicemail. So I started listening to it in the middle of this trampoline park and I have no idea where my kids are. And it said that they were calling me in regards to what they had removed from her back and how it um, related to the swollen lymph nodes that she'd had and um, that they were going to refer us to a surgeon and an oncologist. So at that moment, I kind of knew they wouldn't send us to an oncologist if she didn't have cancer. And so so um, I don't even remember what I thought or what I was thinking. That's crazy yeah. that they would drop that kind of news in a voicemail. Um, it still blows my mind. Yeah. I know. I like, I look back and I'm like, I, it was not the dermatologist that had originally removed it. And Mm -hmm. so I don't, I think maybe she thought that I knew, I think maybe she thought that my pediatrician knew. And so he had told me, I'm not sure, but yeah, we found out in voicemail and I couldn't get a hold of her for three hours. So I just sat around for three hours wondering what kind of cancer she has, what, how bad it is, if she even has cancer. So that was probably the longest three hours of our life. Yeah, I bet. And so then when you finally did get a hold of someone, what did they tell you? Like bring her right in or we'll see her in a few days or what? Yeah. So it was, I had this really strong impression that I, so I'd called my husband and I felt like we needed to have his dad come out and give her a priesthood blessing. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you know what that is, but. Yeah. Do we need to explain? Yeah. yeah. We've, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but I'm glad that you brought that up because there are a lot of listeners who are not of our faith. So that just means that we believe that, um, that we can use God's power to give like special blessings to people who are sick or in need of care or comfort. And so it's a really special thing that, that, yeah, that we can rely on that. I'm really grateful for. So yeah. anyway, that was kind of your next step was yeah. to do a priesthood blessing. Yeah. So. So Dan and his his dad came out and they, right when the par- his parents got to our house, the doctor had called. So I was, it was really great timing because they were able to stay downstairs with the kids and Dan wasn't home from work yet. So I um, was able to kind of talk to the doctor and she was just very matter of fact and okay, so this is primary cutaneous anaplastic large cell lymphoma. It's primary cutaneous because right now it's just in her skin, you know, just going all over all this stuff. And it was just like, I had no idea what it meant or, so then I, I basically kind of had to say like, does she have cancer? And she said, yeah, it's cancer. But, and I think because she's delivering this news to a mom that her child has cancer. She was trying to sugarcoat it or something. I don't know. So I kind of got off the phone like, okay, this isn't that big of a deal. We're just mm-hmm. going to go in. They're going to cut it out. And then that's the end. And so, and my husband had had skin cancer before. It was a very different, it was like basal cell carcinoma, you know? So I, so I just was like, oh, they'll just cut it out. And that's the end of it. And yeah. So that was your assumption. But then, then what happened? You guys took her to the so, doctor? Oh or? yeah. So the, um, the next day, my son actually had a pediatrician appointment scheduled. Mm -hmm. And so I just brought her with me and I went in and he uh, came in and was just like, are you okay? How are you doing? And I'm like, oh, this is a little more serious, you know, and he's, yeah. and so 
so I said, are you, are we certain that this is what it is? And he said, we're going to get you into the oncologist tomorrow. And so his nurse got on the phone and she called the oncologist. And so, yeah, it was the, the very next day we went into the oncologist, met with her. She started setting up tests. So it was two weeks of testing. And then we had what they call as a conference. And that's where they go over staging and the treatment plan. Oh, wow. So how did Lyndon deal with all of this when you told her at first? So that's a great question. We kind of delivered it to her in pieces Mm -hmm. rather than all at once sitting down and saying, okay, you're really sick. You have cancer. Your hair's going to fall out. All this stuff, you know? And so we just sort of, she knew that there was something on her back that we had been going to the doctor for. Mm -hmm. And so right away we had just kind of said, okay, so we're going to do some more tests on the, um, the thing on your back. And then, and then the next day before we went to the the pediatrician, I we told her you have cancer, and and she kind of knew and understood what that was because the year before she had donated her hair to kids that have cancer, which and is so, crazy. Yeah. yeah, that part of the story just blows me away. Yeah, so, so. she so she knew she under mm-hmm. she understood kind of what cancer was, and and she asked, you know, am I going to lose my hair? And we didn't know at that point, so. Yeah. So we should just brush on that because that's such an incredible story. So a year before that, um, remind me, what was it that triggered that like desire to donate her hair? Where did that come from? So we were watching American Ninja Warrior. Uh-huh. <laughs> Our family likes to watch that. And so we were just watching that one night and there was a little girl on there. And I don't think she was competing, but maybe it was her uncle or her dad or something. And she didn't have hair. And so she just was like, why doesn't that girl have hair? And so we mm-hmm. started talking about cancer and how um, when kids go through cancer, they take medicine that makes their hair fall out. And I said, you know, and sometimes people will donate their hair. And, and so then they have they can make a wig. And she said, I want to do that because she was so sad for this little girl not to have hair. And so we just waited a couple of weeks just to make sure she really wanted to do it because she's very into having her hair done and having it curled and having it braided and having ponytails and all the things. So um, she still wanted to do it. And she got really nervous when we got there and she said, so I'm, she, I just was like, how come you're so nervous? Like, do you, you don't have to do this. And mm-hmm. she was afraid that it was going to hurt. And that just really touched oh. me that she still wanted to donate her hair, even though she thought that it was going to hurt, you know, that yeah. she wanted to do something, even though she thought it was going to hurt her. And so, so that was really just when we found out that she was going to lose her hair, that just hit me really hard. Like, wow, just a year ago, she was giving her hair to people that needed hair and now here she's going to need it herself. Yeah, that's so. crazy. Um and you guys had a really sweet story with someone that you knew donated her hair for Lyndon's little crown, right? Yes. Yeah, that's so, so that sweet. was yeah, that was really sweet when she when she told me that she wanted to do that, I was kind of like, okay, thanks, you know, cuz I didn't know she she had this long beautiful hair. Yeah. And I just remember when um she got here right before she was going to go get it done she walks out and her hair is just blowing in the wind it was a windy day and I just burst into tears Aww. and I just lost it because it just was like such a sweet thing for someone to do and we've seen so many people do so many amazing things but that was definitely one of the things that was just in that moment something that we needed just that like love and support
I just have been blown away from Lyndon from the moment I met her and just learning about these stories. That's really remarkable that someone at, so she would have been six years old, Mm-hmm. to have the maturity to look at someone else and think about someone else's needs and want to do something for them for yeah. you know for someone else I just think that's so sweet so let's I guess go back to the story for a minute so you guys found out and then how quickly was it between when you found out and when she started all of her treatments so we found out July 9th mm-hmm. and then by July 25th she was going in for treatment so wow. between that time they had to do a CT, they did a PET scan, they did a bone marrow biopsy and a spinal tap because they just needed to find out if the cancer had moved or if it had started somewhere, if it was in any other organs. And so, and then the bone marrow and spinal tap they did to make sure it hadn't entered her bones or her um, like central nervous system. And so we had to go through all that testing and then get all the results back and get the like radiology reports back. And then met with the doctor. And then the very next day after we met with the doctor, we started treatment. Wow. Um, so was that, what was that like walking into that for the first time? Did you guys feel prepared or was it just pretty for when you, sorry, when you brought her in the first time for treatment, what was that like? For a long time, I just felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. Like I was going through the motions of of everything, but not really living it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it was just, you know, her very first treatment, they put her under and they, they put her pick line in, which, Mm -hmm. um, they either do a pick line or a port when kids have cancer. And that's just how they get the medicine to like larger arteries rather than putting it through their little tiny veins. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they did a pick line with her because it was, um, she has a shorter treatment. And so, so she was getting the pick line put in and while she was under, they told us that they were going to put chemo into her spinal cord. And that was to help keep the cancer from going into her central nervous system or her bones. And so that was just very scary, just knowing that that was happening and that, you know, and all this information that I've learned about chemo and the drugs and everything is, it's just, it's scary. And, um, so knowing that they were putting it right into her spine and all the side effects that come with it and um, that could come with it, it's just terrifying. And so just saying goodbye to her as she's being willed into the room to do that, you know. And I know you know with Annabelle when she probably got willed off for surgery, it's just oh gosh, but that was like gut wrenching. Yeah, but that was like I but, guess for me too. I've had my appendix out, so yeah. I was like, she's gonna be under for thirty <laughs> minutes. She's gonna wake up. I mean, she was terrified to be put under. She just yeah. kept saying, I don't want the sleepy stuff. She was so stressed yeah. about that, and I was like. Why is she so stressed out? But I think kids just like when they don't understand and they don't know, you know, she was so stressed. And then she woke up from that and was like, oh, that was fun. Let's do it again. (laughs) But, um, you know, for me, when Annabelle had her appendix out, um, which is what Amanda's referring to a couple months ago, like I said, I have had that done before. So I knew it was like she was going to be out back conscious within an hour and be fine. But that's scary to have your kid go through something that you're like. I don't even know what the repercussions of this are going to be like. I I haven't done this myself. I have no idea, you yeah. know. So so let's talk about I know you're a big advocate for helping people understand childhood cancer. Right. So what are some of the misconceptions or myths that you feel like you want people to understand better? I think a lot of people think that it's rare and mm-hmm. that oh that doesn't really 
it doesn't really happen or it happens. I was so naive to it all too. And I think because it was, it's sad. A kid with cancer is sad. And so you don't really want to talk about it or even think about it. And so you don't, and you think, oh my gosh, that's never going to happen to my child. And that's what I always thought too. And so I think understanding how that it's not rare and that it does happen and that it's happening all over the country and all over the world. And all these kids that I see in there, it just feels, it almost becomes normal that having cancer almost becomes normal. And it's just sad that that's the way that it is. But, and another thing too, is just how underfunded pediatric cancer is. And they only receive 3.8% of the government's funding for cancer. And so that was one thing that I had no idea. And a lot of people, um, as I've started this whole journey of learning and understanding and trying to help people understand and raise awareness is that there is just not the funds that there should be for these children. Yeah, that's, that is really startling. So what do you feel like people can do? Like, what can you do about that? I feel like the biggest thing that I can do that I just thought, you know, I'm one person, but Mm -hmm. I can raise awareness and that's what I can do. And so that's what I've been trying to do is I've just been trying to let people know and understand and just raise as much funds as we can. And so we've done a lot of different things to, to try and raise funds. And, and so I've always felt weird taking money from people, but this is something I don't feel weird taking money from people for because it's such an important cause. And it's, um, you know, a lot of these kids are going through so many horrible things and it's not so much from the cancer, it's from the treatments that they're going through. And, and so that's our biggest goal is to help find better treatments and cures there's no just okay we're done you know it's just there's all the the after effects from the treatments that they've gone through and worrying if it's going to come back and worrying if they're going to get cancer from the treatment and just there's so much fear and so much worry that comes from the treatment that they're receiving. Yeah. So let's talk about this, what you're like, you kind of lightly, humbly (laughs) brushed upon. Oh, you guys have raised a little bit of money. So I know that it's more than a little. So explain to me how the Linden's Lotus bracelets came about. Was that her idea? Was that your idea? Where did that spark from? Um, And let's just start from there. And then we can explain to people all the amazing good that you guys have been able to do with these bracelets. Yeah. So it was kind of a joint effort. Mm -hmm. So that appointment that we'd gone to the day after we found out to the pediatrician, after we left, she said, can you start putting money in the box at McDonald's for kids with cancer? And so I said, yeah, I can do that. And she said, will you do it every time? And I said, yeah, I'll do it every time. So I just realized that she wants money to go to kids with cancer, like Mm -hmm. that that was important to her. And so I said, you know, maybe there's something that we can do to raise funds ourselves because I just was thinking the amount of money that I put into the box at McDonald's for kids with cancer is not very much. And that's going to usually like the Ronald McDonald house or something. Right. And so after we had gone into the oncology center for the first time um, and I saw these kids in there and I, I saw kids that um, were very pale and very sick looking and in wheelchairs and hooked up to IV poles and, had little to no hair. And, um, I just thought we've got to do something, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and I naively thought that 
Lyndon would never look like that, that that wouldn't be her, you know, and, but I still felt like I wanted to do something. And so I said, my sister-in-law had given me a bracelet one time and it was a really awesome bracelet that I wore and it had lava beads on it. And then it had this cute little, um, like Buddha, on it, like mm-hmm. a little Buddha charm. So cute. And it was super cute and I wore it a lot. And so I was wearing it and I thought, you know, maybe we could make these bracelets and sell them and, um, uh, we'll sell like 25 or maybe 50 to like our family and some friends and yeah. raise some money. And, um, so I kind of presented it to her. I said, what do you think about making bracelets? And I also thought it was something that would be good for her to do while she's doing treatment, while she's in the hospital. And then she's, wasn't able to start school. So I thought this is another thing that she could do while she's home and just make these, you know, 25 to 50 bracelets. And, um, so I just on my Insta story said, Hey, we're, working on a project and, and immediately people started messaging me and saying, whatever it is, I want it. And, um, cause she had said, we're raising money for kids with cancer. Yeah. And so immediately we started seeing that people were going to want them. And so the first day I like actually post, so we sold those that people had ordered and it was like maybe 30 Mm -hmm. that we had sold kind of from not even posting about it. And then we posted about it on, I think it was August 3rd. And just people went crazy over them and were just people wanted to help. And that was the thing that I realized is that people want to help and they want to do something. It's just a lot of times they don't know what to do, but when they have an opportunity to buy a bracelet and have the money be able to go towards kids with cancer, they are all over it. And we've had people you know, buy four bracelets and send us $200 or we've auctioned off bracelets and one person bought a bracelet for $200. And so it's just people want to give and they want to help. And so just providing the opportunity for them to be able to do that is kind of what what we've been doing. That's so cool. Yeah. So you said that started August 3rd mm-hmm. and we're recording this on November 4th. So mm-hmm. in three months, right? September, October, November. I'm so good at math. <laughs> um, so how much money have you guys raised for pediatric cancer? We're over $30,000 right now. That's insane. Yeah. That's so amazing. So this kind of started from like you and Lyndon were going to make a few bracelets and it turned into this like community effort where people have now people send you guys supplies, right? They buy things from like an Amazon list and send it to your doorstep so that Mm -hmm. you can make bracelets. And then like groups of women get together and help make the bracelets, right? So what has that been like having the community come together? to help with this effort. It's interesting because it's like, I know that's going on, but even hearing you say it, it just like makes me emotional because it's just been so amazing to witness and be a part of. And, you know, I know, remember the first time we had like a bracelet making party, it was my neighbors and that most of them I hadn't even met. And Mm -hmm. because we had just moved in a month before. And so one of my neighbors said, hey, we're going to get together and help you make bracelets. And I knew maybe two of the people. So I thought maybe there were going to be like four or five women. And I showed up and there were 18 women there to help make these bracelets. And I didn't know most of them. And so it was just really incredible and just so amazing to see. And then just receiving the packages almost every day of supplies and the donations. And um, even tomorrow, our church group is doing it. And just how cool it is that that people want to help. And we've had people from across the country that have helped make bracelets and sent them in the mail. So we've received like 
89 bracelets and they came from St. George, Utah. And so it's just been really cool to see the outpouring of support and love, just not even just buying the bracelets, but helping make them and helping with the donations and everything. Here's what I think is super interesting about this whole like bracelet making thing too, is that most of the time when I hear about, I see a GoFundMe or I hear about a this or that raising money and there's nothing wrong with this, but usually it's let's help this family with their medical bills or whatever. I think it's remarkable that you guys are raising money for basically other people who are in your situation instead of yourself. So um, explain to me why you guys decided to like do something and not do it for Lyndon and do it for, you know, helping others. Like what was the inspiration behind that? Lyndon, basically her wanting me to put the money in McDonald's, but we've had a, a few people reach out and ask us if they wanted, if we wanted a GoFundMe set up, but we've been really fortunate. And my husband has a good job that he's been at for almost 10 years and he has excellent insurance. And so we've had our treatments. It it hasn't put us in debt and we're in a very fortunate situation. I feel like where we've been blessed with, um, the financial means, I guess, and with incredible insurance benefits to be able to afford the treatments that we're going through. And so we don't really feel like we need the money but we feel like the research does need the money. And we've received so many care packages. We've received like gift cards and people have sent us money and people have sent us gift cards and and gift packages and all these amazing things. And it's been so amazing and so incredible. And we're so, so grateful. At the end of the day, you know, these kids, I look at them and they don't need coloring books and crayons to occupy their time in the hospital. They need to not be in the hospital and they don't need hats to cover their bald heads. They need to not get bald heads. And so that's just been what's driven us is that, you know, maybe this isn't going to help Lyndon and her treatment, but whatever people did maybe 20 years ago is helping her with her treatment and she's able to survive. Whereas maybe 20 years ago, she wouldn't have survived. And so maybe this isn't helping us right now, but we're just kind of paying it forward to what people have done in the past for us. I feel like, I feel like it's kind of like this whole circle of people are helping us and people have helped us. So we'll help other people. Yeah. That's just a beautiful message. I love that so much. Um, For those who are listening and probably worried about how she's doing and how the treatments have gone since then, can you give us an update on what that's looked like since you guys have been through treatment several times and what her health is at this point? I know it's not all like roses, but I think, yeah, we should give an update on how that's going. Oh, definitely. So we've just seen so many miracles and Day after day, we see miracles and she is doing so well. And she is, you know, having side effects like she's home throwing up today. And, you know, from she just got out of her fifth round of treatment and her treatment plan is six cycles of a week in the hospital and then two weeks home. Mm -hmm. And um, the doctor described it really well where she said it's kind of like a boxing match where the first hit you kind of get back up. And then each hit after that is harder and harder to get back up. And so she's... Just because her body's weaker every time. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's harder to to recover as fast from the treatments. But after her second cycle, it's 
typical to do a scan. So they did a PET scan after that and it came back clear. So there were, there was no signs of the tumor. She had two tumors in her chest and those were gone and which is pretty miraculous. And Mm. it's actually really miraculous that we caught it when we did too, because the tumors were still pretty small and had it not shown up on her back, we may never have, she would probably be at school just you know, we would think that she had a cold that wasn't going away or pneumonia. And, um, but so right now she has, she's technically in remission, but she's finishing out her treatment. So her last treatment will be the week before Thanksgiving. So just coming up here. And then after that, they do another test and make sure all the cancer is still gone. And then we just try and live a normal life. Wow. Yeah. I know when you've tried to go about spreading awareness, you've talked about this doesn't just end when you're done with chemo treatments. Like, what does it look like for a child who has cancer? What does that look like for the rest of their life? And what do you want people to understand when they're thinking about, should I donate to a cause like this? Right. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you're done. Oh, and Thanksgiving, you're done. Mm -hmm. You're done. And, you know, and just, oh, it's going to be over. And, And that's what I would have thought looking back, you know, before she started, I would have been like, and that's what I kept feeling like for a long time. I kept feeling like we just need to get to the end of treatment. We just need to get, we just need to get through this time. And I'm realizing, and after talking to a lot of other moms who have had kids with cancer, um, that it doesn't just end after treatment. And that's when more of the worry and more of the fear comes in. And so it's kind of a bittersweet thing because you're done with treatment, but then you're getting scans, you're getting checks, every fever, every cough, every sickness, every scratch, every anything you're worried, is that cancer? Is it cancer? And um, because it could come back and it's not gone. And um, the chances of it coming back with her particular cancer is about 40%. So um, the longer, the further away from it you get, the lower it gets. So once Mm -hmm. she hits about five years, that number will drop to about 1%, which is, we're just, so, so then part of me is like, oh, we just need to get to that five-year mark, you know, but then, but then there's also the after effects of the chemo treatments, which is one thing that I think a lot of people just don't understand is 60% of kids that go through chemo treatments end up with after effects, such as like brain damage, heart failure, infertility. That's one thing that, um, sorry, I just get so emotional with this is because, you know, we don't know if she'll be able to have children when she gets older. And that's not from the cancer. That's from trying to save her life. And that's really hard for me is we have to do this. There's no other option for us, but to put her through these treatments. And, you know, I have, I haven't experienced infertility myself, but I know so many women that have, and that that's such a huge struggle. And Mm -hmm. I just hate to think that she's going to have to go through this as a child. And then when she's older, she could possibly have to go through that trial as well. And that's just so hard as a mom, because I feel like I know I have no other choice, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm putting her through this and I could be causing her to be infertile, but I know that it's not I know that I just have no other option. Yeah, you're doing your best. Yeah. Wow, thank you for sharing that. That's that's hard and really heavy, but really important to help people understand like just how important it is to get the funding to try to find better solutions right. eventually. 
So I wanted to ask you about some of the tender mercies that you guys have experienced as a family. Like, what are some of the things that stand out to you the most that you don't want to forget that have happened during this time? Oh my gosh, there's so many. It's it's happened like every single day, I feel like. And, And one of them you know, you doing Lyndon's bedroom and that was huge. And that that was just, just, (laughs) that that was fun for you, but for us, it was huge. And it was just that, you know, and I think that's how so many people feel is like, I'm just going to do this. And it's just this little thing to me. And, you know, just her donating her hair last year, that was just something to her, but what it meant to see it come full circle and have someone donate their hair to her. It was like, I really understood what that meant. And so, um, that and we've had a group of neighbors that oh, we have such amazing neighbors. Like they could all be a, it could all be about my neighbors. I feel like. yeah, but um, which is beautiful. No, which yeah. is that like the word neighbor itself. That's what it should mean. Right. That's what it should be. Right. Our people yeah. taking care of each other, even people who were strangers five days ago. Right. You know? Yeah. Which is so amazing because we were we had moved in literally three weeks before she was diagnosed, and so I just feel like the Lord knew this is where we need to be. But we had um, a group of neighbors that pitched in together and they got us gift cards to like Grubhub and Amazon. And that was super helpful because, you know, the food in the hospital is terrible. And so just being able to order Grubhub and have that delivered to the hospital and not worry like, oh my gosh, we're spending so much money on food. Right. um, That was huge. And they included a a bunch of cash in there, which was really helpful. And and we've received a lot of things like that. We've received a lot of gift packages. We've received a lot of gift cards. And one woman drove up from San Diego and brought us hundreds of dollars worth of groceries and diapers and wipes. Oh my gosh. And that was just so touching to see. And because she had gone through cancer herself. And so that was something that she just felt like she could do to kind of to help us out. But um, one of them that just happened most recently was um, Lyndon, we found out that she was going to be through her fifth cycle through Halloween. Mm-hmm. And she was so sad about it. And we were wondering, could we push it off a week? You know, but it just, there were just so many things about that. If we did that, then she would be in there during Thanksgiving. And then if we push it off, so we thought, no, we just need to be in there and this is a bummer and it stinks, but we're going to be in there during Halloween. And so a couple of my neighbors had said, you know, she can, she went in on Tuesday. Halloween was going to be on Thursday. They said she can come trick or treating at our house on Monday night. And so, so I said on our neighborhood Facebook page, just if you're okay with it, like, can you just let me know whose houses we can go trick-or-treating at? And it was almost every single house in our neighborhood. And um, one of the guys said, I'm going to get orange balloons for everybody. So if you're participating, just put an orange, come over to my house, grab an orange balloon and put it in front of your house so that they can see it easily and know just which houses to go to. And so I just remember pulling in and just seeing all the orange balloons sitting in his driveway. And it just made me so emotional that this guy, I had never met him. It was one of the neighbors that I'd never met yet. And he was out there blowing up these balloons. He had a helium tank in his garage, just blowing them up so that everybody could come get them. And then And then this other woman drove by and she picked up a whole bunch of them and she had this list of whose houses were participating. And then she went and dropped them off. And just the time that people put into that to to make it a special night. And we went trick-or-treating at these people's houses and some of them were all dressed up. And it just was so sweet. They made it feel like Halloween for her. And, And she said, you know, 
this was the best Halloween ever. <sighs> and it just made me so emotional because I thought, we thought that this was going to be the worst Halloween ever. And because yeah. of our community and because of our neighbors and just good people, it was our best Halloween ever. And so that was just one of those kind of tender mercies that was like, wow, I can't believe people are so good, yeah. you know, and to them, it may seem little and to them, it may seem just fun. And, but to us, it meant so much. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It's so sweet. And I, I really just even watching that on like social media for me, that was emotional for me too, because I just was like, just like you said, it's so, it's so sweet to see people caring that much. And like you said too, giving their time, like a lot of people can write a check or like, and, and like, and that's great. Or send something over Amazon. It takes two seconds, but to give of your time and to take the time, like you said, to blow up balloons or to get dressed, like dressed up yeah. before Halloween, like I'm kind of the Halloween Scrooge. So that, you know, that would, I'm sure mean so much as a mom to see that and to see people like really going all out to just make her feel special and make her feel like you know, and for a seven-year-old, like when they're seven, everything's so, still so magical, still so meaningful, you know, and you only get a little bit of time. I keep thinking yeah. that with my kids, like we only get a few of these like great magic years where everything matters a lot, you know, then they get turned into like crusty teenagers yeah. who like <laughs> just want to run away from their parents. Yeah. So, um, that's really so special that your community and that your neighbors are taking on that, really like to me what we've been commanded to do is like love thy neighbor like that's that's like the second greatest commandment and right. that it sounds like the community of people that you live around are taking that to heart in an exponential way so oh, definitely that's so cool to yeah. hear about that and I'm so glad that you guys have been so loved and taken care of looking back like is there anything that you wish you would have known starting out all of this a few months ago. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but, um, yeah. Is there anything that you wish you would have known when all this started? Yes. And I, I think it just hit me probably a couple days ago, um, was that, well, and I had listened to our church's general conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. talked a lot yeah. about general conference, but it's always great to do like a little refresher. General conference is just, we believe that God speaks to prophets in like modern days. And that's how we can hear um, messages that are directly from God, but like pertinent to right now, to whatever right. we are facing right now. So I love General Conference, love to hear those messages and talks. They're almost, even for people not of our faith, they're just inspiring. Mm -hmm. I always describe them as like spiritual TED Talks. Definitely. So anyway, yes. but what were you going to say about General Conference? So there were a lot of, and like you were saying that I felt like we're, oh my gosh, I need to hear this right now. But yeah. it talked about kind of having, I felt like there were so many talks about having joy through your trials mm. and kind of touched on this before, but just, I kept thinking, I need to get through this. We need yeah. to get through this and just trying to get through these last few months. And I feel bad kind of looking back now that, um, that I kind of had that mindset and I feel like I've kind of switched a little bit to where even when we're going through hard times and even when we're experiencing the worst of the worst and, um, we can still have joy and we can still find joy. And I feel like I've, I still, I still had joy and I still felt joy during that time. But in my mind, I was like, I just need to get through this and yeah. kind of having that mind shift of, okay, let me, 
appreciate where we are right now because this is our life. This is what we're living. And to have to kind of wish it away and kind of, oh, I just need to get through this. It just makes me sad that I've kind of felt that way the last couple of months. And even though we did have so many great and beautiful and wonderful experiences, I feel bad that I felt that way. And but now looking forward and knowing what we have coming up with her ending treatment and all the worry and fear that kind of comes along with that, that I'm preparing myself for is just recognizing all the joy that we can have and the good times that we can still have, even though we're going through something so hard. And I think that's something that I'm so grateful that I've learned from this because I think so often we've go through things in our lives and we feel like, wow, something really bad is happening to me. I can't be right. happy. Yeah. And um, something really bad is happening to us right now, but um, we can still be happy and we can still choose to be happy and to find the good things that are happening around us and be so grateful for those things. Well, I think you need to be a little easier on yourself because first of all, I think most people going through what you would, what you've gone through would not take all of the extraordinary measures you have to look for the good and to fight like to I mean you guys have taken lemons and made lemonade Mm. out of you know making these bracelets and raising awareness and just doing so many positive things out of a really difficult situation and also I just look at all the things that you've learned and that you've shared and that you've taught people those are the things that you know uh, I think what we also learned at general conference is that you can't experience the joy without the pain, right? right. You have right. to have both. Right. So you've gone through these things and now you've been able to inspire so many people and help people understand at a deeper level what that's like to go through. And um, I'm just so grateful for you being on here too, because so much of the reason why I wanted to start Mint Arrow Messages was just to give people an opportunity to understand situations that they don't experience themselves just so we can be better humans, so we can have more um, love and compassion for others going through things that we're not experiencing. You know, like you said a minute ago, you haven't experienced infertility, but you have so many friends who have. Or, you know, I, I don't know if I will ever experience childhood cancer with one of my children, but now I feel like even if we don't, I will know so much better because I knew you guys. And so I'm just super grateful for that. So this is the last question I'm going to ask that I ask everyone that comes on this podcast. So if there's one message that you want people to remember from this interview, what do you want that one message to be? Even though we can go through hard things and we will go through hard things, and this may be the hardest thing I'll ever go through in my life, but it may not be. There may be something harder that comes. I just feel like We have been surrounded by so much love and so many angels on both sides of the veil and just angels on earth and angels in heaven. And just we've just been surrounded by so much love and support. And we've just felt so much happiness during this time. And that no matter what comes our way in the future, I have no idea what's going to happen or if she'll relapse or if she'll have any of those late effects that that we can still experience joy. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks so much for all of the tender and beautiful things that you shared with me today. I know it probably wasn't easy, but I feel like it's going to help a lot of people. So where can people find you if they want to contribute to 
raising awareness and raising funds for childhood cancer and they want to buy a bracelet or they want to <laughs> donate supplies or they just want to support you guys and follow along. So my Instagram is just at Amanda Lynn Smith with an underscore because there's a few Amanda Smiths out there. <laughs> and um, our website, we just had someone create a website for us that's and it's awesome. lindenslotus.com. And that's where we sell all of our bracelets and there's links to donate. And in my profile, there's a like a link tree where you can click and donate money directly to Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation. That's where all of our money goes. And um, they are amazing and they're really great to work with. And they are doing some incredible things. We've gotten to know them really well. And we've researched and we've felt very strongly that that's where our money needs to go. So the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation, um, if you just want to send money straight there and it can be a write-off, um, that's a that's a great way to do it. Otherwise, there's links for donating supplies and all that as well. So Awesome. And we'll put all of those in our show notes and um, and make sure that we link to all of that so everyone can easily find it. So thank you again. And um, tell Lyndon thanks too for being willing to let us share this story. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much because I feel like any opportunity we have to share a story and help raise awareness is just we're so grateful for. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Mint Arrow Messages. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with us and spending time with us listening to these episodes. I also wanted to thank anyone who's left a rating or a review and wanted to read this review really quick from Marathon Mom 5. She said, absolutely loved the episode on the organization Days for Girls. I had no idea this was such a problem for women. Thanks for educating us in such a simple way and giving us power to help in solving this crisis. And you may have noticed that last week and this week's episodes were both about worthwhile causes that you can contribute to. That was on purpose because Giving Tuesday is a week from tomorrow. So if you're thinking about something that you could contribute to or give to, I hope you'll consider both of these episodes and both of these causes. They're so worthwhile. We've really done a lot of research vetting and making sure that we're only recommending places that really use all of the money toward the maximum amount of goods. So if you missed last week's episode, go back and listen. And then the, all of the links that you need to donate to either of these causes are in the show notes. And you can always find show notes also at mintarrow.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast, and you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox, and we'll email you every time there's a new episode.